the 258th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. We win! 54 to 53, North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, oh, way to worthy! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out foul. of timeout! Technical foul! Technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout! And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May! It's over! Carolina has won the national championship! 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it! The Tar Heels are the national daggum champion. Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away! This is the Four Corners Podcast. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Just Josh here with you guys tonight. Going, uh, going solo as we're going to recap uh, Hubert Davis's uh, press conference the other day at Media Day. Um, as the 2023 preseason rolls on ahead of the actual season getting underway, exactly one month away from tonight. We are four Mondays away from the return of the most unpredictable sport we have in the country, which is college basketball. And um, you know, not just with the Tar Heels, but I think around the sport, we are going to be uh, treated to another spectacular regular season. So we're going to go through all the major talking points coming out of Media Day, um, play some great audio. I'll give you some of my thoughts of what the head coach of Carolina basketball had to say. Um, but before we get into that, we start every edition of the pod, as we always do, with the pod thought of the day, and we go to a current legend on the campus at North Carolina, that being women's soccer coach Anson Dorrance. And I thought this quote uh, was really applicable, uh, applicable to where the team is heading into the year. And the quote is as followed, Excellence is accomplished through deliberate actions, ordinary in themselves, Perform consistent, consistently and carefully, made into habits, compounded together, added up over time. Since it is mundane, it is within reach of everyone all the time. And, you know, look, I always try to um, take whatever pod thought I have and apply it to what we do here at the pod. Um, and look, there's a lot of things we do here that are very much uh, habitual um, because we have done them for 258 episodes. Um, and that's why it has molded into a product that I think uh, you guys uh, really enjoy listening to. Uh, hopefully that'll be the case for the upcoming basketball season. But you look at what Carolina, how, how this applies to Carolina basketball, and um, it's very accurate. Some of the things that Carolina struggled with last season were just the little minute details. And in sports, the little things are the big things. And it's what separate the good from the great. The great teams do the little things. 
Um, and the not-so-great teams don't. And Carolina, as we all know, wasn't a great basketball team a year ago. I think they've got the ingredients to be great this upcoming year, but it really starts with them doing the little things. It's diving on the floor for loose balls. It's closing out on a perimeter shooter. It's it's running the floor hard to, to open up a fast-break opportunity. It's, you know, talking defensively. It's It's all the little things that... You know, for the most part, as Carolina basketball fans, we've taken for granted because for 60-some-odd years, we've seen our teams do them and do them repeatedly. Last year was a struggle. Um, and, you know, at some point, we're, we're going to move on from last year as we get into this year, but that's going to be a big thing. Um, and it's something that, you know, Coach Davis has really – preach to his team throughout the summer leading up to what's a pretty big year for him individually. Of course, we'll never know the job status of Hubert Davis. Um, Bubba Cunningham is not an athletic director that, that makes statements like that. You go off the track record, you go off the history. Um, the last head coach to miss back-to-back NCAA tournaments didn't come back for a fourth season. Um, this is Coach Davis's third. He missed a tournament a year ago. Um, and, like, I know he has a Final Four and a national title game appearance under his belt. But like he said, and we'll talk about this quote here in a little bit later in the show, this is Carolina basketball. And the expectation, the standard is high. Um, and if it's not met, there will be uh, consequences, both on the court and off. So with that, let's dive into Coach Davis's uh, presser the other day um, at the Smith Center. Um, the first thing I want to just say before we actually dive into his actual comments, and we got a handful I want to run through, um, you know, back in the summer when he spoke, I made it known that I thought he looked more comfortable in his skin, just with the way he handled the media. And I came away with that, that same impression once again. Despite working at ESPN for a decade, his first two years, you could tell he was a coach learning on the job how to talk to a media that in the college basketball world is is rather demanding, um, and that's that's it's it's awesome that you know we have a group of reporters that care that much to to press the head coach and ask the questions that we want asked to try to get the answers that we want. And there were some times that he didn't have an answer, and he made it known he didn't have an answer. Whereas this year the coach speak is a little up, which is a big thing, even though it's rather annoying for those of us fans that want to hear the actual truth, but. You know, I think this is a head coach that um, is coming into his own. Uh, he's more comfortable, you know, because now this is really, and I said this back in the summer as well, this is his team. And there are some Coach Williams leftovers like R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott. But for the most part, this is this is his crew. This is the team that he wants. This is the team that he picked. And it does make sense that he does appear to be more comfortable uh, when talking publicly with the media. So with that... Let's dive right in with the very first comment the head coach made about how this team came together this offseason. Well, I like the pieces that we've added. I mean, there's seven returning players and seven new players. And I really um, I love the mix of this group. Um, I specifically could say it in, in two parts. Uh, there's many things that I can say about this group, but there's two things that just automatically stick out for me is one that this is a group that that enjoys and loves and to, to compete. They just really do. I mean, from the start, there's never been an issue about um, 
preparing, practicing, and playing um, with a competitive fight and a com competitive nature. And so I really love that. And then the, the other part is this, this group genuinely enjoys being around each other, whether it's on the court, off the court, they just um, enjoy the experience of um, doing this together. And that's something that, uh, that I've really enjoyed being a part of and, and, and watching over the last uh, four or five months. It's still hard to think about this program being as open to the transfer portal as they as they've been bringing in, you know, five transfers this off season and and willingly pushing players out of the program as you saw seven people exit uh, the program via the transfer portal as well. And so um, and I think it's just another reminder that the transfer portal is real and it impacts every. Every team, no matter the sport, at every level. You see it in college football with the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Georgias of the world. And you see it in college basketball with the Carolinas, the Dukes, the Kansases, the Kentuckys of the world. But I think this is a team that if you really read into such things, like the, the, the basketball account puts out socially, this is a team that appears to be more together. And whether that was forced chemistry or not, um, this does seem to be a, a group that's enjoys being around itself, uh, each other, enjoys doing stuff together, and at the core of it is is competing with, with one another. Um, and, and, look, I know it's not an easy thing to say because you just don't ever think it, it would happen at the college level. This wasn't a team that last year that liked each other. Um, there were differences off the court that, you know, hindered the team on the court, and it's why they ultimately didn't achieve any of the goals that they set out to. We'll, we'll, we'll see if this team is as together on the court when they open up the season a month from now. But this does appear to be a team that enjoys being around one another um, and enjoys competing with and for one another. And that's a big deal because um, if you're not playing for the guy beside you, a lot of times it probably means you ain't playing for yourself. Um, and with that, you get, an uns you get a selfish, broken team. And you get the results kind of like we, we had to sit through and watch last season. Speaking of the transfer portal where Carolina was very active, bringing in Cormac Ryan, Paxson Wojcik, Harrison Ingram, some guys that you know were really coveted by Carolina on, on the market. Coach Davis was asked if he attacked the portal any differently this offseason from years past, and, here's was, and here was his answer. I don't think it was a different philosophy at all. I mean, in any recruiting, whether it's a transfer or a high school player, the, the number one, the, there's two things I'm looking for. Is, is, there, is there a need and is there a want? So, like, I won't recruit anybody that I want that we don't need and I won't recruit anybody that we need and I don't want. And so in the same manner, in the transfer portal, we were looking for guys that fit a need that we actually wanted and I felt like we checked the box on all of the guys that we got from the transfer portal. I think all things considered, he attacked the portal about as well as you could expect him to. Um, you know, look, there were a couple transfers that I know we all wanted to see Carolina get involved in, show more interest in, but there was a reason why he, he didn't. And, and he made it known that, you know, I'm only going to go after guys that feel like they 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 fill a void and a need 
and that I want, and on the vice versa that I want to help fill a void or a need. And so, um, you know, look, I think we're all, we all know the potential Harrison Ingram has being a, a former McDonald's All-American. Cormac Ryan's been there, done that um, in this conference. You can't, you know, you, 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 you can't put a price tag on that. Um, it's not, it's not every day you got a guy that's been around college basketball for four years walking into your program. Paxson Wojcik, a kid that grew up wanting to play here. And I think that matters. Coach Davis talks about that all the time about, you know, you want kids that, you know, know what it means to put on that jersey, go out the tunnel and play on that floor. He's going to have a great understanding and a great appreciation of what that's like. Jalen Withers, a guy I think that is going to flourish being surrounded by better coaching and better talent. Then you got James Aquanco, a guy that I do think is, go, you know, not going to have a massive role on the on this team, but is going to be a guy that whenever he is asked to do stuff, I think he's going to do so and do so at a high level. And so, um, you know, look, there might have been other schools that got more talent that might have gotten more overall depth, but I'd argue Carolina as much as any school in the country did what it needed to do as much uh, uh, as any team in uh, in the portal to put themselves up to compete for conference and national championships. Another big development um, that I think we're all going to be watching throughout this season is, you know, what the freshmen look like. You got two freshmen coming in, Elliot uh, Cadeau, the reclassified point guard that is already being mocked as a top 10 NBA draft pick next year. And then Zayden High, a power forward that feels more like a developmental type of player, but a guy that also, uh, depending on how much he works in practice, could carve out himself a role on the floor this year. Here's what the head coach of Carolina basketball had to say about the way they've progressed in the preseason. Yeah, they. I'm, I've been really happy with both of them. I mean, they're high-level guys on and off the court, and they bring – a skill set to us that you know honestly has just been needed and um, having that uh, type of uh, competitive fire and their ability out there on the floor um, has been such a blessing and an honor to be a part of out there on the floor and it's just um, I've been just really happy with Elliot and Zayden and their development their commitment to um, to be a part of this team and this program and this university and this community and I'm so thankful that they're here, and I, I love coaching them. Look, we all know that the attention is going to fall on Elliot Cadeau. You're talking about arguably the most gifted passer that's come into the program since Kendall Marshall was here. And if Kendall Marshall would have played four years, would have set every feasible uh, assist record, maybe not just in the in, uh, in the program, but around the ACC as well, there's going to be just a more uh, flu, uh, a free-flowing nature to the way he plays. This is a guy that wants to get others involved. He loves to push, loves to push the floor. But you also saw in some summer showcases as well, not not of not afraid to put the ball in the basket, um, and, and and can do so in, in a very efficient and more and uh, in, in a very effective way. So this isn't a big class, just two players like I mentioned, but a guy that I think um, trans transforms Carolina into a legitimate, you know, ACC contender and Cadeau. And then you got a guy in Zayden High that, you know, as Armando Baycott prepares to exit and Jalen Washington takes on a bigger role 
is a guy that is going to have a chance next year to be a big part of what this program does. So you got to like the the additions uh, coming out of high school that Hubert Davis has added to his program. I mentioned the free-flowing nature that Elliot Cadeau was going to play for. And according to the according to Coach Davis, that's something we're going to see more because uh, expect to see Carolina basketball get back to running. And don't take my word for it. Take it from him. You know, the style of play, I mean, we're one of the things that I wanted um, to change or do a better job this year compared to last year is just, just our tempo. I wanted to play faster. You know, just, you know, whether it's a make or miss, I want us to go. And so, you know, the number one, there needed to be a commitment to, to play this way. And number two, you got to be in shape. And I feel like we've checked both of those boxes. So in terms of, a, um, you know, a tempo standpoint, um, we're going to play faster. And, um, you know, from a defensive standpoint, I know one of the things that we had to improve on is find a way to be able to generate steals and deflections and be able to get into the open court. So, you know, we've made some tweaks and pivots to be able to put us in positions to get those steals and deflections to allow us to get into the open court and so that we could find more ways to score and be more disruptive on the defensive end. Oh, boy. For those of you that um, have listened to us as the Four Corners podcast, Maybe you go as far back to whenever we were the Roy's Boys podcast, or maybe you follow me on Twitter at HTB underscore Josh. I don't know. But if you know me, you know uh, I want to see this team play fast, and I want to see this team run as much as possible. Um, Anthony kind of jokes whenever we hang out and watch games together. I'm I'm not going to say I'm quiet in nature, but I kind of have the few catchphrases that I repeat over and over and over again throughout the game because I kind of coach while I watch. And one of those things that I say is run and run and run because I believe in it. I think that there aren't many teams in the country that can run with Carolina. And I think when Carolina is running, its secondary break is arguably the best offense in the entire country. Um, and it takes this team to a whole another level. And... Quite frankly, um, whether this team was built to run or not last year is not my position to say. But it wasn't a team that wanted to run. And it was just very evident by how much they walked the ball up the floor off of makes or off of misses. And I, I hope this is something that go, you know, is, is, is held true. And we see this team get up and down the floor. Because when you got the kind of wings that you've added, um, I think it makes it easier for them to get downhill, get to the basket, live at the painted area, draw fouls, and get to the foul line. I do think as much as Armando Baycott isn't the, you know, the fastest fella in the world, when I mentioned that, second, that secondary uh, break offense, I think he's a good person that could really help initiate that. Jalen Washington is a big that is long and wiry that – can get out and make some highlight type of plays. And, you know, when you look at some of the perimeter shooting, if Carolina can get cleaner looks from behind the arc in transition, expect him to shoot the ball at a much more efficient rate this upcoming season. And so um, I'm really excited because I, I've always looked at if Carolina can get to 80, 85, uh, even though this isn't a program that is, is known for its defense, it's still hard for teams to score with them. You kind of see it with the way the Warriors play 
in the NBA. They play so fast with such pace. They force the team to take bad shots that lead to runouts, and that's why they've been so successful with their brand of basketball. Same thing applies to Carolina. You know, you look back at some of the better years that this program experienced under Coach Williams when they were running teams out of the gym. They got teams so sped up, they took bad shots, and, you know, Ty Lawson and the crew was running it down the other end for layups, dunks, and three-pointers. So um, really excited to see uh, if, if, that, if that's something that's going to come to fruition. I think Carolina is built to run, and um, if they do, I think this will be a really fun team to watch play offense basketball. Um, so speaking of that, you know, one of the things that I think it had to be reined in after a year ago, and something that needs to be reined in just with the nature that we, we play now with four around one and, and guys want to shoot a bunch of threes, is there's only a select few guys that need to have the green light to shoot the three. And Coach Davis told us who those guys were for the upcoming year. The three green light guys are um, RJ and, and Pax and Cormac. And, and the reason why they're green light guys is for a number of reasons, but one, they've earned it. They can make shots. And number two is they take good shots. And so I want our, our best shooters when they're open from three to, to feel comfortable and confident to be able to let it fly. I didn't pull the cut for this edition of the podcast, but if you, if you go back and you listen to his entire press conference, he actually laid out how when he played at North Carolina, you know, he had, you had a red light, a yellow light, and then a green light when he played for Coach Smith. Can't really do that nowadays um, because these kids have the green light by the time they're in middle school to pull up from 35 feet away. Thank you, Steph Curry, for that. But, um, you know, the, 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 the point was, was that back in those days, you had to earn the right to, to get to the point where, you know, R.J. Davis, Cormac Ryan, where those guys are. And... Um, I think Carolina is going to be a much more efficient perimeter shooting team. Mainly, I think the personnel is better. I think there's going to lead to better floor spacing. That's going to make the defense collapse and get better looks from behind the arc. And then Carolina's just got better shooters because you've got dudes that have done it. And I know Harrison Ingram and Jalen Withers' numbers aren't sexy. They don't, they don't really stand out to you as to maybe say you want to see those guys take two to three perimeter shots a game. But they've never played with the talent they're about to have here in North Carolina. They've never played with the coaching that they're going to have, having played for Coach Davis and the, and the staff that he has sitting on the bench with him. And so, um, you know, when you look at Davis, Ryan, and, and Wojcik, I think you've got some great proven per perimeter shooters right there. But I also think the other guys um, that that have the that are going to play big roles on this team can also develop into becoming consistent outside uh, threats. And we saw two years ago when Carolina's got multiple guys that you know can can knock down consistent shots from the perimeter, they're, they're a pretty tough team to defend, and it will pay dividends come March. Now let's get to expectations. And this is going to be something where, um, as, as we kind of wind ourselves down here, about halfway through recapping the media day press conference that Coach Davis conducted on Friday as the preseason is well underway uh, in Chapel Hill, um, talking about the expectations for the upcoming year and, and laying out what the expectation is going to be. 
And I'll preface this by saying that um, somehow last year the the players went to the coach and told them this is the type of team we're going to be. And I know coaches tell you that player-led teams are the best teams. Mac Brown says that all the time on the football side of things, that when players are leading, it's easier, and that's when you get the best teams. And that's fine, and he's not incorrect. But that should have been, of course, we didn't know this until Coach Davis made this, made this known. That probably should have been the first sign that things probably weren't uh, – going the way they should have gone in the preseason with the team that had the burden of being preseason ranked number one and returned four starters from a national title game appearance that all released video saying they were coming back to win a national championship. Well, Coach Davis laid out his expectations for the team this upcoming season. Uh, not this year. I got I, I, I wrote down the list, and this is what we're doing. So <laughs> players had no chance to do it on the road. No, no, <laughs> no, no. The standard, no. The foundation of our faith. That this is this is who we are. This is where we are. Core defense. This is who we are. We're going to be on 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 the offensive end, and um, it is what it is. The standard is a standard, and so if you don't want to be a part of it, then you're not going to play. I, I mentioned that. At the top, this is a coach that looks more comfortable, feels more comfortable. This is evident because as much as it's the players that win the games on the court, the culture that is established is established by the head coach. The standard that is established is is established by the head coach, and it's kept by the head coach. Um, and and this is this is this is Coach Davis's program. Um, I don't think in the 36 years that Coach Smith coached Carolina, he would have allowed his players to set the expectations for the the, the season uh, that was upcoming. I don't think in the 18 years of Coach Williams' tenure, he would have allowed the players to have that much say and kind of control of what the team was, was going to be. So that's growth and maturity. And he kind of doubled down when he was asked about why he was the one that set that set the who put this list together as opposed to the players themselves. Why? I don't know. That's a good question. Is it a change of pace thing or just no? I'm the head coach. You know what's funny is I was um, I was watching this press conference at. The radio station, Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. And I had a coworker come in and just like happened to hear that answer and thought, wow, that's kind of a not so nice answer. Maybe it's not, but it's the right answer. Um, he is the head coach. And um, it's his job to tell them, this is what I expect. And then it's his job to hold them accountable. Um, and obviously letting the players do it last year didn't work out so well because you went 20 and 13 and became the first team since the tournament expanded in 1985 to start the season preseason rank number one and not make the NCAA tournament. Um, and, and as you completed one of the most, uh, embarrassing seasons in the history of the program. And, and so, I was really encouraged by this from Coach Davis because that's what I want. That's leadership. That's you taking ownership and saying, you know, no, 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 you're going to do it my way. 
And if you don't do it my way, you're not going to play. Um, last year, there were some guys that didn't do it his way, but still played a lot just given the way that the roster was constructed and simply the fact that Carolina didn't have a lot of good depth on the bench. So you had to play some certain people that are no longer here because you had no other option. Um, that's no longer the case. I think he rebuilt the roster and added depth and talent and experience the way that you need to to have a roster capable of competing for conference and national championships. And um, I, I really, you know, as, as much as it's fun to make fun of me for firing coach back during his first season, two months before they went on a tournament run that we'll remember forever, one of the things that I am excited about as a Carolina basketball fan is watching and growing with them because by the time I got into it, you know, in 2006, 2007, Coach Williams was an established national champion, been to multiple Final Fours and won multiple conference championships, and there wasn't a whole lot of watching him grow. He was already established. Coach Davis is still establishing, and I really think the way he handled that, that, that kind of question and that answer was another example of that. This is a guy that is, is, is a lot more firm in, in who he is and who he is becoming as a head coach. A couple more things, and then we'll get out of here um, for this edition of the podcast. Remember, just me riding solo with you guys, taking you through Coach Davis's uh, media day presser the other day at the Smith Center. Um, back over the summer, you know, um, Carolina made an addition to the staff as Marcus Page joined, taking over a role that Jackie Manuel left behind as he took a bench uh, a bench coaching staff uh, in the uh, in, in the Patriot League, um, and with that, Marcus Page was brought in to fill that void. And um, you know, for a lot of generational Tar Heel fans like myself, I'm 27 years old. Marcus Page is my favorite Tar Heel. Um, more so than Tyler Hansborough, Ty Lawson, Kendall Marshall, you know, Bryce Johnson, Kobe White, Brady Manick. Um, like on the current team, if I had a quote-unquote favorite, you probably would assume that R.J. Davis is, is mine, and you'd be correct. Um, so this, seeing Marcus Page come back, be a part of the program is wholesome because um, the, the most beautiful thing about this program is seeing a vision that was laid out by Coach Smith come to fruition when he, when he really established what Carolina basketball was going to be under him and after him. It was former players coming back to run the program. Um, Coach Williams wasn't a former varsity player, but played on the freshman team. Um, and from the time he joined Coach Smith's staff, uh, staff as an assistant, he was being mentored to one day lead and guide Carolina basketball. Now you got Hubert Davis, who was a four-year player here under Coach Smith that learned how to become a coach under Coach Williams. So you got the blend of both. Um, and now you look at up and down uh, Hubert Davis' staff, every member of the staff is a former Tar Heel. And that's not by accident because he believes in it um, because it is a different place. It's a unique place. And I do believe you got to have people that lived it and experienced it to make it easier to recruit the guys you want to recruit and coach the guys the way you want to coach. And so um, with that, here is what Coach Davis had to say about the impact Marcus Page has had in his first summer on the job in Chapel Hill. Yeah, I have. I, I really have. He's been an awesome addition to our staff. It's 
made me feel old. This is my 12th year as a coach from an assistant to a head coach because we came in together and now he's Coach Page. But um, his personality, his knowledge of the game, um, the way that he relates to the players, it's been like Marcus has been here for a number of years. He's, um, he's the example um, of what a Carolina basketball is players about um, excelling in the classroom in the community and on the court and to have that example as a coach um, you know, makes me very happy it's going to be a lot of fun um, watching him grow and and develop during his time um, you know I, I know we're a long ways away from that because hopefully we got 15 to 20 more years of coach davis winning ACC and national championships. I think Marcus Page being back, and look, there's other guys on the staff that are right now a lot more qualified. If Marcus Page was would, would become the head coach of Carolina basketball some 20, 30 years from now, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and it would really be full circle for a lifelong fan like me that, you know, loved him as a player. Um, of course, we all remember the shot against Villanova. I've never been more heartbroken for a player not winning a, a national championship than Marcus Page not winning a national championship. Um, so it's just going to be a lot of fun getting to watch him grow and develop on and off the court as a coach and can't really wait to see what's in store for his coaching future. Last thing we're going we're gonna to touch on right, right, right quick. Um, you know, Coach Davis talks about blocking out the noise. And it's important because the noise was a problem when things weren't going so great his first year. Um, and I was a part of that because I was very critical of him and the team. The team came together, went on a that, that run to the national title game. The noise last year, a 180, completely different, where... They just bought in, and were a, there was a group that was full of themselves, and they were a disconnected bunch, and they never achieved anything. But as much as Coach Davis has stressed to block out the noise, he also knows you can't avoid the noise because this is Carolina, and expectations, they're always going to be high. I think it's unavoidable here. This is Carolina. This is Carolina. So irregardless, it doesn't matter what year, what season, the expectations of this team and of this program never changes. And so it's unavoidable every year here at Carolina. And so you're just going to have to deal with it. And you're going to have to thrive in this type of atmosphere where everyone is looking, everyone is talking, everyone is paying attention. And you have to be able to put yourself in a position to be successful. It is what it is. If you don't want the light shine on you, then this isn't the place for you. And so I don't think it really matters whether going to the championship game or not. The spotlight is on you when you come to play at Carolina. As much as anything, as he said in his presser the other day, this was, this was by far my, my favorite answer. Because, yes, you want to have your, your team block out what guys like me say, what guys like me write. But also, with the come to Carolina with the understanding of the, the expectation is to win and is to win often. 
It is, it is to win at the highest level. And if you're not okay with that, if you're not up to that, if that's not why you're here, this isn't the place for you. Because those expectations haven't changed since really 1957 when this program went undefeated and won a national championship. And it's not going to change anytime soon. Um, the only thing that is going to change will be maybe the coach if the coach doesn't win enough or the players if the players don't win enough. And so um, I really love hearing him say that because it's just a, it's just a reminder that he understands there's pressure on him. And that's okay. You want your head coach to feel pressure. You never want your head coach to be relaxed and feel comfortable. Coaches get relaxed and they get comfortable when they win for a long time and they win at the highest level. He hasn't done that yet. And he understands that until he does, you know, there's going to be questions and there's going to be critics. But over time, if you do it, you're going to hush those people up. And this is what you want. You don't want to be somewhere where it's an afterthought, where it doesn't matter. And there's plenty of places where that's just the... That's just the reality where there there isn't a lot of expectation on the outside. There isn't a standard held. And, you know, if you have a disappointing season, uh, you know, for the most part, this it, it doesn't it doesn't bother people. It bothers it bothers it bothers us. It bothers me. Um, I I haven't I haven't lost more sleep in my life than I have this offseason trying to figure out. And I, I, there's nothing I can do about it. But the way my mind works is how can I help get this team, how can I help get this program back to a top of a conference that I love and, uh, and, and among the nations a lead in the sport that I love. And so he's aware of that. Um, and he's, I think that, that was made very clear with the guys that he brought in from a recruiting standpoint, from a transfer, a transfer portal standpoint. And the guys that returned, where it's like, if you're returning to be a part of winning, cool, we'll bring you back. But if you're not coming back to help North Carolina win, you can go somewhere else. And so, um, really love that answer. And, and look, I know it's a press conference that I just dissected like a shark. But this, this is a head coach that I, I think is very much aware of what's at stake this upcoming season but is also very confident that he has a group that uh, can achieve the type of things that we want to and expect to achieve here at Carolina. So uh, with that, let's move to a quick closing note. The best part about all of this is that we'll kind of get to see what this team looks like this Friday as live action with Huber Davis in Carolina basketball. It's here. Uh, it'll take place Friday in the Smith Center at 7 o'clock. Um, if you can't make it out to the arena it will be streamed on, you know, the Watch ESPN app, ACC Network Extra Plus, ESPN3.com, whichever one of those streaming services that you might find your way to. It will be available for you to watch uh, at your house. We'll have coverage both right here on the podcast and on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. As, as I mentioned, we are officially a month away uh, from the start of the season. We're just over two weeks away from uh, ACC operation tip-off where the team will uh, make it its way to Charlotte for the annual conference media day. Um, and of course you got live action on Friday. You've got a scrimmage kind of, or an exhibition coming up. And then before you know it, the season will 
be here. So, uh, like I said, 7 o'clock Friday. If you can't make it to the Smith Center, it will be available for you on multiple streaming platforms. But with that, guys, that is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. But before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where really now until March, it's it's the busy time of the season for the blog. Football, 5-0. and Big game this upcoming weekend at home against Miami. Anthony and I will have you covered on all the things coming out of the Mac Brown side and this basketball season. Um, you know, as, as excited as we are that football is 5-0, and basketball season is here. Um, and that coverage is going to start ramping up on the website with, you know, great opinion articles, uh, position previews, and the like. Um, so make sure you make you find you you find your way over to the website that's healtoughblog.com. As for the podcast, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, most certainly we're on Apple and Spotify. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast. Where once you do, we encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't uh, miss any editions really of the preseason ahead of the upcoming season. As we continue to do, you know, bold predictions, previews, interviews, and all the like. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the Four Corners Podcast on Apple and Spotify. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that!